You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. It's another Victory Monday for your New York Giants. And before we get into uh, discussing it, just a reminder to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube if you're watching us there. And subscribe across the Big Blue View Radio Network wherever you listen to podcasts as well. I'm joined as always on Mondays by Big Blue View's Tony Del Genio. And uh, Tony, we have yet another victory Monday to uh, to discuss for the uh, for the Giants. Yeah, it's a little bit strange for a victory Monday because I really don't know how I felt about that game. <laughs> That's but, but seven and two is seven and two. And there, there aren't, there aren't many teams that you can say that about the NFL. So. Yes, it is. I guess we fall back on the bill Parcells. You are what your record says you are <laughs> sort of game. But, but I will admit I was, I was in MetLife stadium. I was in the press box and halftime of that game came along and, you know, media finishes up their work and we go to grab a quick, you know, a, a quick bit of food to bring back to our desks and like we're all looking at each other shaking our heads going this is just a terrible game this is just a terrible football game and and it's it's showing us that that maybe the Giants just aren't that good but you know but they managed to win it and for me in a lot of ways it's just a typical grind it out close Giants game they're not ever going to blow anybody out they're not ever going to make anybody look awful they just that's just what they are yeah yeah and and I mean I and I wrote last week that that you know the Houston Texans actually aren't getting blown out by people they've had a lot of close losses even even the most recent one before the Giants game against Philadelphia they only lost by 12 points and they were tied in that game halfway through the third quarter and so uh you know I'm, I during that game, I was kind of trying to listen to my own advice and say, well, remember Houston, you know, they're not as bad as they look. They actually keep games close with, with other teams and so on and so forth. But it's just hard to get away from the feeling, especially after the Giants had that opening touchdown drive, which they just kind of moved methodically downfield and then got the touchdown to, to Lawrence Cager, all right, of all people, you know, the, the, the tight end of the week, the player of the week that they bring in out of nowhere. Mm-hmm never heard mm-hmm. of it before and he, and he scores a touchdown and I said well maybe you know maybe I'm wrong maybe the Giants actually can kind of dominate this team and and go ahead and then and then that that was it for a long time after that well, so. well yeah I mean there were two opportunities 
in the second quarter where the Giants should have put up points. They get fourth and one at the Houston 35, and they go to the jumbo, jumbo, jumbo offensive line package, which eight offensive linemen, and I was getting a kick out of it because the the referee had never done had never announced anything like this before. And you could tell he was like, I'm not sure how to do this. Like 64, 77 in 75, all report eligible. And then I hear a mutter under his breath. I think, I think, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, and and he hadn't turned the microphone off yet. And I was like, I'm laughing, but you know, they get an, they get a false start. They have to punt. Gillen hits a terrible punt. The next drive, they get all the way down to the 27, you know, Wandale Robinson decides to run backwards. Mm-hmm. And and then for, for whatever reason, second and 15, the Giants run up the middle, then they get a sack, and they have to punt again. So there were opportunities there to, to blow that game open. And the flip side of that was watch the Dallas game. The Cowboys blew a big lead that should have been a whole lot bigger. So that's sort of typical of the NFL, but it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, as you said, that second quarter in particular was maddening for the giants. And, uh, you know, I found myself kind of scratching my head at some of the play calls, never mind, never mind some of the execution. Like you you say, the, the Wandale Robinson play where he decided to, 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 to lose 10 yards and get gain back five of the 10 that he had lost. Well, I yeah. mean, you know, once, once he had lost about 15 yards, he did a good job getting some of it back, but, yeah. but I was like, Oh dude, you know, you're, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but anyway, I, you mentioned play calling Tony, and I think we have to talk about that a little bit. Brian Dable and Mike Kafka have done a a terrific job with this Giants offense. You know, Dable turning the play calling over to Kafka and and letting him do what he does. And and Kafka's done a tremendous job. That said, yesterday, I was shaking my head at the incredibly conservative nature of what the Giants did. Saquon Barkley had a great day, but there were so many times, second and 15 at Houston's 32-yard line, and they run up the middle. You know, second and 10, and I think at, at one point in the in the second or third quarter, and, and they run for the fourth straight time. It, it felt like we feel like we're better than the Texans, and we're just going to run the football and try not to make mistakes and, and they'll screw this up and we'll win anyway. And it, it just felt like the giants were playing a 1940s game plan. And I, I, I didn't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't either. And the, the particular plays that you mentioned were the ones that really puzzled me, but, but, you know, but throughout the game and the, and the funny thing about it all is that Daniel Jones wound up having statistics coming out of the game that if you had just kind of looked from the outside you say wow oh this guy played a tremendous game today at 153 passer rating he had like i think an 80 point something quarterback rating and uh adjusted completion percentage of 88.7 percent or you know something like that but but basically they they didn't ask him to do anything (laughs) right 
it was it, that that that, that I think that that passer adjusted completion percentage was Kenny Galladay adjusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> basically, basically it was Kenny Galladay adjusted. But we'll we'll get into that later. As you indicated, I thought that Jones played very well. I don't think there was a single throw yesterday that Jones, you know, put in jeopardy. I can't remember one anyway where the ball was in jeopardy of of being intercepted. You know, one any throws where he, he let the ball go, and I was like, you know, that might be bad. But uh, well, I'll I'll, I'll 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 give you one counter to that, and it was actually the biggest play of the game: the fifty-four yard touchdown pass uh, to Slayton. Uh, he he got rid of that ball while he was falling backwards with a couple of defensive linemen right right in his nose. And when he got rid of that ball, in the back of my mind, I'm saying, "Oh, this has pick six written all over." <laughs> well, and fortunately, Jalen Petrie was was well off Slayton, and then took a bad angle to the tackle, so everything yeah. wound up wound up good. But that one, I had I was holding my breath. Yeah, on. I I had it sitting in the press box. I mean, we're we're in the sixth floor at MetLife Stadium. So we're we're way up high and I had a different view of that play. You could see that he was really really lucky to get the ball off and did a good job throwing it on target. But from where we were, you could see that the defensive back was so far off that the ball was never in jeopardy yeah. of being caught by anybody but Slayton. So yeah. given given that he got it off Right with, with with sufficient velocity, and I right. was worried that that he'd wind up throwing a floater in that situation because I mean he was off balance, mm-hmm. falling falling backwards. Right. Yeah, the guys the guy's six foot five and, and an athlete, and so he can do things that I, that I can't do. With, with well, this is yeah, he can do some things I can't do either. <laughs> you know, going back to Kafka for a minute, as conservative as the game plan was, and and you know we've we've wondered why he ran so much. The other incredibly mystifying sequence to me was the very end of the first half you get i think the giants get the ball with 23 seconds left 85 yards to go no i think they had one timeout or whatever and they and they decide to throw and i turned to to the people next to me in the press box and i said all that's going to happen here is something bad Jones is going to get hit he's or he's going to fumble or something bad is going to happen here. And what happened on the last play of the half, he took a huge hit. I was like, the, the only thing you do here is you run the, is you run out the clock. But so I just, you know, going back to Kafka as I just didn't think it was his best day. It was kind of mystifying. And yet that defense Saquon Barkley playing as well as I think he's ever played, uh, you know, and and uh, the fact that that the Texans just weren't good enough to take advantage of some of the opportunities that the Giants afforded them, and the Giants are seven and two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I think the the question this raises, I think, going forward is, will they? And they did this earlier in the year, naturally. Okay, but but recently they've been extremely conservative in, as you say, in, in what they are doing. Not just in this game, really, but in the Seattle game too. I thought they were pretty conservative. And uh, you know, are they are they ever going to open it up? Are they? Do they ever see an opponent that they think 
they can go downfield on or or are they going to do this for the rest of the season and uh you know works against houston and they're seven and two and so you can't argue with the results uh i think i think they're tied for the second best record in the nfl with kansas city right but just be behind philadelphia so you know how can you argue with that you just you can't argue with that it does make me wonder though about what the strategy is going going ahead in the season where they're going to start to play some some more potent teams yeah, there have to be games coming up on the schedule where where this this ground and pound control the clock sort of keep the score down put pressure on the other guy you know to basically you know play really solid defense and capitalize on mistakes there have to be games where the giants are going to have to open it up going to have to score more and and i i'm with you i just i wonder i wonder when that's going to be i mean i can't i can't see this approach working against Dallas. I can't see it working against Minnesota. I can't see it working against the Eagles who the giants have to play twice. It might not even work against Washington, which is not as bad as, as, as people think. So, so I'm, I'm waiting for it as well. Yeah. I don't even know if it'll work next week against Detroit because Detroit, which has a, a bad defense, they have a very potent offense. Detroit puts points up on the board. And so um, you might have to, you know, get, get ready to, to, to trade scores with them for, for a while. If you're, if you're going to hope to, to defeat them. And I guess I think the part that that's puzzling me right now is that I'm not seeing the creativity that I thought we saw early in the season. I thought the giants were extremely creative in their offense, let's say against green Bay, just as, as one example. Um, and, uh, and in some of the things even they, they did against Tennessee going, going all the way back. And, and I loved seeing, seeing the really interesting, uh, root combinations and, and the use of motion and things like that in the backfield and all the deception. And I feel like the last couple of weeks they've, they've stopped doing a lot of that. Although in a way, the jumbo 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 eight offensive lineman package is a little bit creative, yeah, but <laughs> but but it is sort of like okay, we're running the football. We don't have any tight ends who can block, so we're just putting every offensive lineman <laughs> available into the game, and, and we're just going to try to try to crush you. <laughs> the upside of that is it's nice to see Nick Gates on the field, and I, and I think we saw Matt Parrott on the field yesterday. Yes, we did. Right? Also, yes, we you did. know, and so it's great to actually see those guys getting back on the field after after you know major uh, injuries, and and it makes you wonder what the you know what the long term plan might be like for guys like that. And it's fine to use them that way for now, but but the the bright side for me is is with with some of these guys on the offensive line beginning to come back, you know, might they actually have some really good depth on the offensive line going forward? Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place. 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The one thing that I do worry about, and I'm sure that the Giants are aware of this, I did the math last night and, you know, far be it, I'm, I'm not a mathematician but I think I can add and Saquon Barkley had a career high 352 touches as a rookie. He's on a pace this year with an additional game and with two games, the Detroit, not the Detroit game, the Chicago game earlier in the year was a 31 carry game for him. That was at the time, his career high. And yesterday was 35 carries. He's on a pace to touch the ball 428 times this year. That's just insane. Yeah. And and at some point, as, as great a player as he is, the Giants, they've got to take a little bit of that load off the guy. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, by the way, you, you, know, you mentioned Saquon Barkley. That one thing that's really surprised me this year other than just the, the the great amount of of times he's carried the ball, is how little they've used him in the passing game. And I really thought coming into the season that was actually going to be a, a big focus for them because he's been very dangerous in the past, especially as a rookie, uh, in the in the passing game. And they've done very little. I thought we'd see Saquon on on real roots all season and things like that. And they're just not doing that with him. No, they're not. Not at this point. They're I think a lot of what they're doing when they do throw the ball is keeping that back in. Or a lot of times they're taking Saquon out to and putting Matt Breida in, you know, as a blocking back. I think a lot of times they're using that running back to fortify the pass protection, which yeah, with Tyree Phillips over on the right side and and Josh Azudu playing left guard is a little bit, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit sketchy sometimes. Mark Glowinski's a good player, but he's a better run blocker than pass blocker. So I I think that's some of what we're seeing. But uh, but I'm with you. I I I thought the Giants would throw the ball to Saquon more than they have. And the other thing that in the back of my mind, and I don't know whether coaches even do this is whether they're thinking ahead to future games and the fact that the schedule is is close to becoming more difficult for them for most of the rest of the season and are they are they just not not showing everything that they have right now and and playing conservatively purposely and saving some of the things that that they have in their pocket for for games when they know it's going to be more of a challenge to 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 keep up with the other team and and win the game and uh, I don't know whether I don't know whether NFL coaches do that or whether they just kind of think in the let's just worry about this week and not worry about games that are coming in the future. Yeah, I don't think any NFL coach will ever 
will ever tell you that he's that he's thinking about anything except you know that week's game so so i don't know about that i i i think that each and every week teams try to have wrinkles and different things that they haven't shown before like the giants going to that big offensive lineman package this past week but tony one of the things we have to talk about and i've written about this at big blue view i've written about the job that joe shane and the giants pro personnel staff have done this year in finding players to add to this roster basically from the beginning of september on and what we've seen all year long is contributions from bottom of the roster guys, from guys who weren't on the roster at the beginning of the season, from guys that are being elevated from the practice squad. And, and Sunday we saw a touchdown and an onside kick recovery from Lawrence Cager. We saw two catches for first downs from Isaiah Hodgins, who's been there for a week. We saw Jason Pinnock with a sack and a half, couple of quarterback hits, guy that had played one defensive snap all year. We had key interception from Dane Belton. Fumble recovery, which could have been two fumble recoveries except for a, an overturned review for Jalen Smith, who wasn't part of this team. And it's just amazing. I mean, at some point, the absence of a guy like Xavier McKinney is going to hurt the Giants. It has to. At some point, the fact that they just don't have a number one wide receiver who demands a double team is going to hurt this team. But it's amazing to me that they keep getting contributions basically from nowhere. Yeah, I I would I would guess uh, that for your typical fan like like me. If you look at the Giants org chart, uh, the the part of it that you probably skip over and don't think about at all or wonder, well, what does what does that department even do is the pro per personnel department. Right. And you say, well, what, what does that even mean? You know, and I think we're actually seeing uh, a, a pretty, pretty amazing example of what the pro personnel department on, a, on an NFL team actually does, because, as you say, they're just shuttling guys in and out and picking guys up off the street and then and then having them contribute you I, I mean and dable said this i guess at the beginning of the year you know you're on the team we're going to put you in if you're, you're active that day we're going to put you in we're going to use you and, and and certainly he's been true to his word about that absolutely i think joe shane said during the bye week that according to the giants own study of rosters across the league that they had more players on their roster and had gotten more playing time from players who weren't on the roster at the end of training camp than any other team in the league. And it's just, it's a credit to Shane, Brandon Brown, Dennis Hickey, Tim, Tim McDonald, all of those guys who, who do that work. Chris Rossetti, I think is another one in that pro personnel department. And it's a credit to that coaching staff to, uh, to get these guys ready to play so quickly. It's, I don't know how long they can keep this up, but it's amazing. Yeah. And, and as you say, just, you know, just yesterday, Lawrence, Lawrence Cager's in there and he catches a TD pass. He should have caught a long pass in the Seattle game, except Jones overthrew him. Uh, right. And then you have mm -hmm. Isaiah Hodgins who just comes in out of the blue and, and makes two nice catches. He got something had like, I think 40 yards uh, receiving yesterday. And he actually looks like 
you know, a decent guy out there that you could, I don't want to say make a focal point of your offense or anything, but somebody who can help you get first downs on, on drives. And, and of course, Shane knew him from having been in, in Buffalo, but still, you know, well, that's why you bring somebody in from another organization because they have experience with, with uh, some you know, personnel around the league that, that you might not have. Uh, but they're doing, they're doing a great job finding guys to actually do stuff. And, and, and this is where I think you have to give the coaches credit because the coaches managed coach these guys up and get them into a position where they can actually function on an NFL field. Never mind what the coaches do with the established players, some of whom are playing out of their minds this year. And I have one person in particular in mind when I say that, and that's uh, the big overall. guy that wears number 97, maybe seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and I think, man, what is he eating this year? Uh, um, but, and I, and I just have to think it's the coaching that has, has taken him from being kind of a good, very solid, sometimes dangerous interior defensive lineman to, I don't know what you'd call him this year. I saw you, I saw you wrote that, you know, he's not Aaron Donald, but this year he's not far from what Aaron Donald is. <laughs> no. And I, I always go back to it. I, I sat with Dexter one-on-one during training camp and, uh, we talked about the fact that he had been good for his first few years with the Giants, but that people thought there was another level that he could reach. And he he agreed with that, and he talked about wanting to reach that level and how he thought defensive line coach Andre Patterson could help him get there. You know, Patterson's a guy that had a lot of success in Minnesota, Coached Linval Joseph in Minnesota, who had the best years of his career playing for Patterson. Coached Daniil Hunter in Minnesota. A lot of other guys that that he coached, uh, you know, who have been really, really good defensive linemen over the years. And I think that whether it's Patterson or whether it's just growth from Lawrence or whether it's a combination of both, he's just playing incredibly, incredibly well. I've said he's a Pro Bowl player. Honestly, I think he should get all pro consideration. Yeah, absolutely. If he doesn't make the Pro Bowl this year, at least I don't know what's wrong out there. Because he's, I mean, if you look at his game yesterday, he was just absolutely dominant. I mean, he was, he was in Davis Mills' face all game. And I think he had like eight pressures or something eight like that. Eight pressures, five quarterback hits, <laughs> up and down the line of scrimmage, making making stops yeah. on run plays that that 340-pound people just shouldn't have the athleticism to make. It, it's amazing to watch. The Tony, we, we have to talk about it. The the flip side of Dexter Lawrence is the the sad sad story of Kenny Galladay and what has happened to a guy who was a really good player for the Detroit Lions just a couple of years ago was a guy who Giants fans were excited about bringing to New York when the Giants signed him he looked like that big contested catch guy that Hakeem Nicks type player that Eli Manning had that the Giants didn't have, and Galladay just looks like a shell of himself, of what he used to be. He's obviously not the player that he used to be, 
And, you know, some dummy at Big Blue View wrote the other day that uh, <laughs> that 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 Galladay could perhaps have a good second half of the season and, and be productive for the Giants. And uh, I, I think I think that prediction has quickly been blown to, to smithereens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so maybe maybe I'm out of the prediction business. So yeah, but, so I have to say I think I think like the <laughs> betting the betting is do you even see him in the in the game next week? My well, my my well, own here yeah, is is that he will be because it's the Lions and they're going to give him a chance against his his old team. But I I just don't know. I mean, it it felt to me like he might have really seen his his last best chance to to contribute to this team. You know, slip away. Literally, yeah. as he as he dropped the ball to the turf. Yeah, I didn't I didn't blame him for the first one because the first one was kind of a poorly thrown pass by. Yeah, the first one was. Jones. And he, he, you know, I can I can imagine another receiver kind of laying out and and getting that pass, but I think when you're when you're breaking across the field on that type of route, what you're thinking about is grabbing the pass and then quickly turning upfield. You're not thinking about just laying out and, and catching the ball and getting a getting a 10 yard gain or however many yards downfield yeah. he was on that. So I can kind of, I can, I can give him. Yeah, I, I didn't think, the, I didn't think the first one was a drop. I thought the first one was a ball. That's just out of his reach. He might've gotten yeah. a He might've gotten a fingertip on it, but, yeah. but I thought, I thought if he caught that, that would have been a really good catch. Yeah. Yeah. It was the second one that you just scratching your head and you say, he just put it right in his bread basket and, and he didn't catch it. And what's, what's wrong that he's not able to, to make these catches now. And I think it's a, it's a complete mystery. I mean, this is a guy, last time the giants played the Detroit lions, he caught two touchdown passes against the giants. You know, that was <laughs> right. That's a guy who's made his living, you know, making contested catches and making the difficult catches. And, and that was, that was as easy as it gets for a wide receiver. And that's probably you catch that. That's probably a 25 yard catch and run. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know what's happened to Galladay other than I think that Galladay had a hip injury the year before the giants signed him. I I wonder if he's the same athlete that he used to be. I wonder if the hip injury took more away from him than the Giants thought that it might have. And he's had he he's had hamstring and knee injuries since uh, since coming to New York. And and you wonder if one has led to the other, and he's just not the same athlete that he used to be. Yeah, that's the only thing that could possibly explain it because he's, he's, but I don't, I don't even understand how that leads to dropping uh, passes that are put right on you. And the, and the, the that second drop yesterday or the only one that, as you say, that really was a drop. It's not the first time this year that he's dropped passes like that. He had a drop like that, I think against Dallas in a key situation, if I remember correctly. And he's had a few of that this year. And uh, yeah, I just don't know how, how you don't when you are a professional receiver i don't understand how how you don't catch balls like that and it's, it's just a it's got to be a mystery to everyone oh i'm sure it's a mystery to everyone galladay to his credit spoke to media after the game and he was very terse he was very short in his answers i mean he obviously didn't want to be talking to us but he did and and it's obvious 
he doesn't understand it. He doesn't know what's happened here. He he's at a loss to explain it. But I think I think the Giants are at the point where they gave him his opportunity. And you continue to watch guys like like Darius Slayton make plays. You watch Isaiah Hodgins make plays. They're so high on Wandale Robinson, and Robinson hasn't hasn't had an explosive game yet, but he's catching what's coming his way. He's he's helping the offense. And you you look at those guys, and it's it's hard to see why they would continue to give Galladay snaps at this point. Yeah, I'm I said I'm personally hoping they give him one more shot against Detroit. I mean, Slayton is a good example. Slayton was, we didn't even know whether Slayton was going to make the team uh, during training camp. And, and I, yeah, I think it was, it was sort of, I felt like there was like a, 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 uh, a death watch on, on Slayton during training camp, just waiting for the day that they would, would release him in, in one of their cuts. And, uh, and then the season began and they didn't use him at all, even though he made the team, he was mostly on the bench. And then all of a sudden, I think it's about around week four or something like that, they started to throw the ball his way and, uh, and he started to, to do well. And so I'd, I'd like to think that there is a possibility that Galladay can, can still come back. And if, if there is any chance of that, I think next week has got to be the week, not only playing his old team, but the fact that after next week, the Giants get into the really serious part of their schedule that's truly going to determine whether they they become a playoff team or not and so i think there's there's got to be no more fooling around with personnel once you get to that part of the schedule and so we'll we'll see if he sees the field or not uh, uh against detroit will be uh, it'll be interesting and and uh as you said earlier tony i think this is an interesting game largely because it might be a game where the Giants have to put up some points. And yeah. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier, but this, you know, this just turn and hand the ball off might not work this coming Sunday. Yeah. Detroit has a very dangerous passing game. Um, you know, and, and Jared Goff, who has this reputation, I think, of, of being a subpar quarterback he's really not a bad quarterback it's just that he's not a great quarterback and he got i think he got this this bum rap when when basically sean mcveigh was kind of calling everything for him into the into the headset uh you know uh because he couldn't read defenses himself and you know and he's not a great quarterback but he's far from a bad quarterback also and and you know, he's he's got that that offense humming uh they they score against almost everyone uh they've got a great receiver Amon Ross St. Brown who is the the steal of the of the draft last year who had 100 I think 112 yards in receptions yesterday and uh, and they've got a good offensive line that's that's another thing about next week is that Detroit's offensive line is much better than Houston's was. And so getting pressure on the quarterback is not going to be as, as, as easy. So yeah, I think the giants are going to have to score some points next week if they hope to win the game. All right. Well, we will see what happens and we'll see what unfolds this week as, uh, as the giants get ready for the lions, Tony, thank you as always for a few minutes. I know you're uh, looking over your shoulder there waiting for uh, waiting for, for, for a cable guy to come, I think. So I'm yeah, going to, I will see I'm, you. 
I always worry now that I said, no, you can't come between 10 and 11. Now, I'll, how long am I going to have to wait to actually see it? <laughs> well, let, let me let me get you out of here before before the guy's banging on your door. So uh, thank you much. And Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to stay safe out there. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the phone? (laughs) No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.